there is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the Twilight Zone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Twilight Highlight Zone. This week we're going to be covering episodes 21 through 25 of the second season. And I'm your host this time around. My name is Ben Hansen and I'm joined by Jeff Cork. Hi, how's it going? Pretty good. This uh, numbering convention is crazy, huh? I think it'd be more helpful for people to actually follow along if they know what episode it is instead of just, here's another five. Yeah, it. I suppose. Yeah, that's the logic. It's one way of looking at it. Uh, so, kicking things off here. Yes. Episode number 21 of the second season, The Prime Mover. Mm-hmm. Confusing title. I had no idea what this one was going to be about. Right. Turns out it is about a man who has a gambling addiction. He finds out that his friend has the force, basically, and can move yes. objects. So he brings his friend to Las Vegas, and he has him manipulate dice and a bunch of other things in Vegas so that he can make a lot of money, but it ends up hurting his friend and gives him a bad headache. Uh, and then his friend loses his power, and the man, as a result of that, loses a lot of money, and then he goes back to his small town and ends up marrying his sweetheart. Yes. This episode, I think, has a lot of elements that are just quintessentially... Twilight Zone. Let's Please. let's okay. A diner. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, a trip to Las Vegas. A special guest star with uh, Jed Clampett serving as the man with the force. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, and at the very end, I, we'll we'll go back a little bit too, but kind of like Man in the Bottle, where I believe that was a broom. Uh huh. Another broom as the stinger. Kind of. Wait a second. Yeah. Because what happens is... You know, it's interesting. I did not put that together until right now. Yeah. They must have figured, hey, we already bought this broom. Let's use use it again. Because if you remember in Man in the Bottle, everything everything was wrapped up neatly in a bow except for, you know, this genie was gone. And then there was like, oh, everything... Wait, this broken glass. That's not broken yet. And then smash. It was broken. What (laughs) What I was talking about is I just put it together right now the significance of the broom at the end. I don't know how I was a complete idiot and didn't think about it before. And the fact that he was faking it, that he didn't still have his powers. Oh, wow. Okay. I, how, I can't believe I completely missed that. Did you think that he just had a string? No, no, no. Like, I realized it, but I didn't put that in retrospect. I was like, oh, yeah, he's got his powers back. But I didn't connect the dots that he intentionally did not use his powers oh. just to punish his friend. So you thought it was like like Magneto at the end of that one X Men movie where yeah, he's he moves just like, a little chess piece. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was exactly like that. Okay, like it wouldn't. So during the big gambling scene where he's going up against a, a super bad gangster from Chicago and rolling dice in his room, do people actually do that? Are dice that fun? I know it seemed like the lowest form of gambling. Yeah, and it's like he didn't even the gangster wouldn't even roll. Just this guy would roll, and everyone saw yeah. the guy would well, grab the dice and be like, "Hey, are these are these weighted dice? Use my dice," he said. You know, he's yeah. like been burned by rolling dice game yeah in the past so it keeps escalating and escalating and then it was confusing because the guy's wife or fiance ran out at him because he wasn't paying attention Mm -hmm. to her and so he immediately pays some bimbo who's selling cigarettes to be his new lover in las vegas um and she comes in the room and the second she comes in the room is when jed clampett decides to not use his powers anymore right and so i thought the twist was going to be that she also had powers or she had powers and was working for the gangster or something oh my 
But it turns out maybe that was just the trigger that reminded him like, hey, my friend's kind of being a jerk and he's sleeping around on his lady with this other lady. So I should throw him under the bus. Yeah, I think her, her sole purpose was to fill a sweater. Like <laughs> that's all that was going on there. So why throw him under the bus, but try and give him the heads up? Because it was that classic scene of him being like, oh, just a second. I think I think you shouldn't make this call. And he kept being like, oh, shut up. I'm going to keep rolling this dice. Yeah, I think he was throwing him on the, under the bus because he just saw what a huge jerk his friend was turning into. Yeah. But, so what was the lesson of this episode? Uh, don't be a huge jerk. Don't forget where you came from. Um, give up gambling instantly. Uh-huh. Don't torture your friends. Yeah, don't torture your friends. I, think was, I like that angle that it constantly hurt him. Like, he's, he's always having headaches, and he was kind of wincing every time he would Well, that, I think mind. that's why he's having headaches is because he's making this ridiculous <laughs> face every time he flips the dice. Like, he's like, like cartoonishly, like, pondering something like, huh? And always standing directly next to the table, like at no point would the people around him look to him and be like, "What is this weirdo doing? He's never gambling. He's just standing next to this dude, wincing, constantly. just pulling the dumbest faces." <laughs> I have to, I get to say, like after a while, you know, you kind of go, "Well, how are they doing this?" And I honestly don't know how they did this because the dice you see them roll. You know what they did? Just let me finish my thought about okay. being confused. The dice they roll into the frame, and it's not like they just said, okay, we're going to roll until the number that you need pops up, whatever. Uh -huh. They obviously roll to a number, and then one of the die like, would, would flip to right. show the desired effect. Lay it on me. Oh, I don't know how... Here's as much as I thought about well, that. Well, this sucks. I thought you were going to... like. As far as like the late flip and stuff, yeah. I mean, they could have just done a string and then rotoscoped it out, I guess. There some. But this is like when... You remember, this is the same show that had a electric shaver going down the stairs with just... It may have as well have been a rope yanking it down <laughs> there. So... Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but I was thinking about it in terms of just like the, not like the late flips mm -hmm. of the dice and stuff like that, but just the actual gambling. And it's like, what they must have done is rolled the dice, got that shot, figured mm -hmm. out what number it's going to be, and then record dialogue of him being like, come on, seven, come on, seven. No, but afterwards, and then put that beforehand. You know what I mean? But well, you can figure that part out. That's well, uh, that, was, that was as deep as I went into trying to figure out their production. No, I was watching very closely. And maybe someone will watch and be like, you're an idiot. Because <laughs> clearly what Hanson is saying is correct. But it, it looked as though a number would come up incorrectly and then one of them would like spectacularly late would flip over to the point where the gangsters should be like, wait a second. Yeah, they should really, especially they should start trying to figure out what the hell's going on when he's gotten like, you know, 15 in a right Mm -hmm. 15 in a row right like that should be their first clue that okay clearly something's up this yeah. weirdo invites them to the room this room was the same room from a most unusual camera too right because it sure seemed awfully familiar yeah there's there i think there's another repeat set coming up later that we can talking about yeah but another thing i was confused about in this episode was what did his wife know like did she understand what was going on there was never a scene of her being like wait a minute are you abusing his mind like i think she glanced at Mm -hmm. the guy using the force powers once like what is that guy up to yeah but outside of that like she just assumed that her husband was on a winning streak and just didn't think anything weird of it yeah i don't know because at the end they were they were filling boxes of cash yeah exactly yeah and then he lost it all and got back to square one yeah yeah i i like this episode i liked it too i, I thought it had a nice comedic tone there were a lot of weird jokes like there was an old servant in the hotel yeah. that he kept calling junior and yeah making weird jokes about how old the guy was ace ace larson yeah. Yeah, the yeah. cool name. Cool special effects in the beginning. Not really special effects, but yeah. stunt work with the car crashing. Yeah, that's how we find out that his friend has these powers to begin with. We should go way back. Is Ace Larson. They work at a diner and he goes out and then come, stumbles upon the scene of a car accident. And then his friend comes over and like basically moves the car with his mind. And of course, it's that thing where his friend 
is not aware of the potential of his powers. He's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just something I've been able to do for a long time. I got in trouble for it a long time ago, so I stopped doing it. And it's like, what, yeah. you idiot? We can make millions with this. Yeah. He's just a simple-minded fellow is the angle they're trying to portray there. Exactly. And we should mention the return of Franklin to some extent. In the diner in the beginning, there is the slot machine, which is almost the same design. Yeah, rickety legs and all. He's there. Yeah. Also, in this music, they have the same, or in this episode, they have the same music as the fever. Really? The same soundtrack. Yep. It's like that very jazzy piece. I looked it up, and it is the same. Yeah. So that's the gambling theme that'll come back again and again throughout the Twilight Zone, because clearly Serling had a problem with this. Any excuse to go to a poorly constructed Las Vegas set. (laughs) Cool. Next one, Cork. Well, are we going to say what we gave it? Oh, my God. That's an important component of this. All right. So I like this one so much, I gave it a seven. Oh, wow. You you built it up. I gave it a nine. I like this one a lot. Holy cow. Yeah. I thought this was a really good episode. It Just, was super fun. Yeah. Characters were all likable. Uh-huh. All right. I'm curious where you're going with the next one here. Okay. This next one's long distance call. All right. We have a mom. We have a dad. We have a little kid. We have a grandma. Grandma's obviously quite ill. Little boy has a toy phone, pretends to talk to grandma. Grandma suddenly dies. And grandma, before she dies, says, talk to me on the phone whenever you want to talk. Little boy takes it seriously, continues to talk on the phone. But the thing is, he hears her talking back. Little boy hears from grandma. Grandma's lonely in heaven, wants little boy to be with her. So the kid throws himself into the water, basically drowning himself. And the mom, horrified, picks up the phone, hears grandma's voice. And then the husband comes, pleads with, let my boy go, let my boy go. He's still a little boy. Boy comes back to life. It's the Twilight Zone. This episode scared the shit out of me. Yeah. This was by far the scariest episode yet. So this episode, I should say, Prime Mover, I was like, eh, I'll watch this one. And then I said, hey, son, come watch this episode with me. You're about the same age as this kid. Yeah. He watched the entire thing? Yeah, apparently this episode's pretty spooky. (laughs) Turns out. Holy shit. What, yeah. did he, what did he say? This episode's pretty scary, Dad. So, yeah, I kind of blew it there. I this is a scary point, episode. It's the scariest. At a certain point, did you send him out? Didn't you be like, all right, yeah, you get the idea. Time to move along, son. I just kept hoping that it was going to be really nice. Holy cow. Yeah, right. I blew it. So let's. You let's, don't win them all. <laughs> let's just say that. This is the worst <laughs> episode your son could have seen. Oh, we've got worse ones coming up later, but. Holy. Okay, so I like. In the beginning, well, first of all, I like the portrayal of the grandma as kind of like this European. Yeah. She's vague and German, just a little foreign. You can tell there's some tension in the family there. She looks like if Whistler's mother from the painting turned around and stood up. Yep. That's her. Yes, like the same identical dress and dour expression. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was an interesting premise going in. Like the kid was a little bit obnoxious. I was hoping they weren't going to play him up too much. But yeah. the first scene that got me was when she's on her deathbed. Mm-hmm. And Billy, the kid, is there, and she absolutely loves him. They're a little too close, the mom says. Yeah. Uh, and then the father goes like, it's me. I'm here, too. And she goes, who are you? He's yeah. Like, I'm your son. She's like, that's impossible. A woman took away my son. And just like, this cut to the mom reacting yeah. to that. And you just get this whole family drama unfolding in that one line and the one reaction. Mm-hmm. And then the grandma 
knows that she's gonna die in a weird way. Like she reacts to death as if her water broke. Everyone, it's like all of a sudden, just like, oh, oh, I'm gonna die now. Yeah, and you can tell like the mom and dad know it's coming too, but they're like trying to placate the son by going, oh, no, no, grandma will be here your next birthday and the one after. But the grandma's trying to be uh-uh. realistic about it. Nope. Also, this was an episode that I had a late realization on, uh, where the kid makes the wish in the beginning and then like whispers whatever it is to his grandma. And now I realize like, oh, he just wished that he can talk to his grandma forever. Yeah. And that's probably the reason behind this nonsense. Yeah. And if, if you look at it, like in theory, this is a heartwarming episode in like no. it has aspects of it. Like, yeah, because she's lonely in heaven. Right. We'll assume oh, it's heaven. My God. So she's like trying to lure the child to heaven to like hang out. And before, Forever. So before the drowning kid scene. Kid yourself. Throws himself in front of a car. Yeah, yeah. And the babysitter's like, it's not my fault. And the driver is waiting in the car or waiting in the house when mm-hmm. the parents come back. And he's like, well, the kid said that somebody told him to do this. Yeah. And the babysitter's like, it was not me. It was not me. Mm-hmm. And like, she hasn't been, like, the kid hasn't been talking to anybody else. Yeah. Except for to his toy telephone that's not plugged into anything. That, you mentioned it in your brief description, but that is the moment that absolutely killed me. Because it's not... When the son's dying, it's mm-hmm. before that that Billy's talking on the yeah. phone and he's talking about like he's like, Oh boy, Peter Pan could do anything. What a great story, grandma. And yeah. then the mom comes in there and just grabs the phone and, and she doesn't say anything. Yeah. She, she just, looks terrified. And then she just screams at her husband that she heard her breathing. Yeah. Just on the other end, the ghost breathing. That is the scariest thing. Yeah. And you don't know like how much is in the kid's mind. I mean, mm-hmm. you never hear the grandma speak. Your only, you know, proof yeah. that this is actually happening is that the mom heard this dead lady breathing on the toy phone. Oh my God, I have goosebumps. Yeah. It is the scariest thing. Put your son back on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I did like the the father's impassioned plea. Which know. which went a little something like this. Wah. He doesn't know anything about going to school or girlfriends or wearing long pants. You should note he wore like one of those little jumper outfits from back in the day. Yeah, like he looked like Mario. Shorts with the straps and everything. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But yeah. I like that's his number three perk of being alive is wearing long, long pants. pants. I have to say it's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's a good life. Man. Yeah. Uh, this is, yeah, this is by far the darkest episode of The Twilight Zone. Like this is up with just that sheer terror level of then the sky was opened. Oh, yeah. But that one... It was disturbing, but it wasn't just as terrifying and okay. goosebump-inducing as this one was for me. Yeah. Fuck. How'd you let your kid watch this? Just didn't plan <laughs> pr- properly. My grandma told me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> if I, like, hold my pinky and thumb out, she talks to me. <laughs> I like uh, when the father and mother are coming back from the funeral, and the mother's like, what's wrong, husband? Yeah. Like, oh, it's just... Funerals stink. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a nice callback to Purple Testament when the guy said, war stinks. Yeah. That's the worst thing you can say about something back in the 60s is that it stunk. Yeah. It's this this devil character, he's a fink. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what. Uh, this this episode blew me away. All right. I'm gonna, I say that I liked it a lot, too. Yeah. I don't know if I liked it quite as much as you did. I gave it an 8. I gave it a 9. Yeah. This was This was close to a 10. This is up there. Really? For me. Yeah. This was one that I would show people if okay. they want to get familiar with the Twilight Zone just for how disturbing it was and the idea that this could be broadcast on TV in the 60s. Like, mm. that is. Imagine just like, you know, eating your supper in the 60s. You just turn on the TV. Oh, what's going on here? And it's just a dead grandma saying that she's lonely in the afterlife trying to kill her grandson. Like, 
is the weirdest thing. Yeah. I, I thought it was really well done. The only thing I can really knock it for is the fact that it was shot on tape. Yeah, that's not their fault. But the transfer was much better in this one than some of the other it ones. It really was. So. It wasn't like objectionably bad. Yeah. Like a lot of yeah. the other ones were. All right. Next one is 100 yards over the rim. I'm glad I didn't get this one. <laughs> 1847. A uh, bunch of settlers heading out to California. Uh, everyone's in real bad shape. There's a dying sun. So the leader of the wagon train is like, I'm going to go scout out up ahead. He walks over a ridge. And then he finds himself in the present day desert and he goes into a, a restaurant, Joe's restaurant, and talks to some people from our time for a while before realizing that he has to get out of there. And then he runs and escapes the cops and goes back over the ridge and is transported back in time again. But now he has penicillin that he stole from the future and he knows where the nearest watering hole is. And so he saves the wagon train in theory by traveling to the future. I have to say one of my least favorite things is guy from the past in the future staggering around like a madman because of all these crazy contraptions. This reminds me of like that one episode where the guy who was about to get hung. Yep. Suddenly, what's this mechanical beast charging me? It's a car and yep. all that kind of stuff. That one, it's also a lot like the one with the World War One pilot that lands in the present mm-hmm. day. That same thing. But I will yeah. say, that is my favorite thing, Cork. Like, it is? They always overact it. And there's moments in this where it's like, this is just stupid. Where like, he sees a sign and he's like confused by the sign. It's like, I think he'd understand that. Yeah. It, maybe the wording was confusing or something. But there is that moment where he sees a truck and mm-hmm. he jumps out of the way. And he's like, there's a monster, a horrible monster. Yeah, uh, but I, I love the idea of people from the past trying to understand what's going on in the present. Maybe it's because of that old Phil Hartman unfrozen caveman <laughs> lawyer sketch. I just think of that every time something like that happens. And yeah. It's just all too apt. Did you know where this one was going in the beginning? Uh, well, over the sand dune. Yeah, that's and true. And then uh, that's that's the thing is it doesn't seem like it really like what you see is what you get with this one. I mean, once he goes over that sand dune in the first like two minutes. Yeah. And. He travels through time. Nothing surprising happens. You know, the the chief from Get Smart shows up as a doctor. That's okay, surprising. that's surprising. <laughs> you know, um, oh, the, wait. One surprising thing is they chase after him. He goes over the dune to his own time, leaves his rifle behind. Yeah, and suddenly it ages a hundred years, and it's all antiquey looking. And it's yep. the same rifle when he first arrived. They were all marveling over how new it was, but it was a hundred years. I like how they were able to determine that. This yeah. is 100 years old, but it doesn't look a day over three years. Or yeah, whatever yeah. They that say. lady was a little too smart when it came to she's antique a, rifles. Yeah, she's really good at that. She goes to gun shows a lot. <laughs> what, one thing that I do think stood out and was pretty cool in this episode is it shifted perspective really well. Like once they got, once he got into the restaurant, I thought I did a really good job of he was kind of, the man from the past went off to his own room and mm-hmm. then stuck with the present day people and you kind of got to see how freaked out they were. It yeah. wasn't just him panicked by the future world stumbling yes. around like an idiot. That's a good it point. shifted and both sides were like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. And then he comes out of this little private area and he just happened to look up his son's name in an encyclopedia. Yeah. He's, well, that's what you do when you're bored and stuck in the future is you grab the nearest book and look up your son's name. I would, uh, yeah. Why not? Simpler time. I, I don't know what the entry would say for your son after he saw a long distance call, Cork. I think it's going to really ruin his life. His hair turned white <laughs> and his fingernails grew into claws while he was sleeping. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I thought I thought that was really cool. I thought this was a fun episode to watch. Other than like the main actor, he was a little bit 
too dramatic. Yeah. He looked ridiculous in the past with his mm-hmm. dumb ten gallon hat, and he looked even more idiotic in the present day. Right. And I I did like when he came back, and uh, he he told his wife, "Take these tablets." And it was like this. They obviously didn't have like safety lids on on jars <laughs> at this time, or did did they have tablets back then? I don't know. I'm not. I don't know. Probably I'm not a pharmacologist. His son, he found out in the encyclopedia, becomes like a famous doctor, like a oh. tra- children's doctor. I think was the detail, because mm. in theory of this magical medicine, I guess right. we want to connect those dots. So at that point, would you tinker with it? Would you give your son the medicine, or do you know that? Throughout, without any intervention whatsoever, I don't. I don't think that was implied. I think it's implied that he needed to give his son that medicine in order to make that happen. Oh, like that. That's the way I read it, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he gave the kid the tablets. Yeah, he really blew it. Yeah. Regardless, so. I thought this was a fun episode. Yeah. And I ended up giving it a seven. Did you? I did. I gave it a five. Okay. This is middle of the road Twilight Zone for me. All right, speaking of middle-of-the-road Twilight Zone, you want to take this next one? Yeah, this is the Rip Van Winkle Caper. Uh-huh. It starts off with some gentlemen unloading heavy sacks of gold bricks into a cave. The plan, according to their master scientists and the brains behind the operation, they are going to cool their jets and make sure that they, the heat is off, to use some temperature-related uh, language. They're going to go into these chambers, suck some gas... And they're going to sleep <laughs> sleep for a hundred years. And then when it's all done, the, the cops won't even know. Gold will skyrocket the value of gold and they'll all be super wealthy. Never mind friends and family. And what happens, unfortunately, they come back um, and then gold doesn't have any value at that point after people turn on each other and, and die. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- I didn't understand. Let's start at square one. There's a lot of problems with this episode, Ben Hansen. So many problems with this episode. Yeah. It's interesting that there's two episodes back to back Mm -hmm. of people being vaulted into the future. Yeah. And trying to deal with it to some extent, except in this one, it's the cheapest version of the future imaginable because all you really see is the desert and then one car. Okay. We'll deal with that car later. Okay. But let's deal with this. This heist in the immediate aftermath. This has got some problems. And so their idea is if they sleep for 100 years, the money will still be worthwhile Mm -hmm. and that the cops will have stopped looking for them. Right. They were smart because they didn't take like bills or currency that would be dated. They took like an element, right? Right. So that maintains its value according to plan. And they obviously didn't have anyone that gave two shits about them because they're just willing to cut off like they're willing to give up everything at that point yeah although it seemed like the brains behind the operation i mean for the sake of the episode he explained the plot again Mm -hmm. like just before they're about to climb into their glass coffins like that's a bad time to really have to really think this through Mm -hmm. uh i don't understand why they just didn't sell that tech and make a fortune like here's a a coffin that'll let you sleep for a hundred years yeah, if you want to be really confused 100 years from now, lay down in this thing and inhale. And look out for rocks overhead, because that was a cool part, is yeah, a rock did. fell on one of the guy's glass right. coffins, and then he woke up a skeleton. Right, because <laughs> just like below his neck. They, <laughs> uh, cause they they all came to, and they're just like, well, what gives? I don't have a giant beard. Yeah. I don't feel any older. Yeah. And they're in the middle of the desert, so it's not like they could tell like uh, bustling sky cars or anything like that. So then they saw the skeleton and they're like, oh, okay, it's cool. And then one of the guys, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, one of the guys takes the vehicle, just drives it off a cliff. He dr- Okay, so this is <laughs> the big second problem with this episode. He 
takes a vehicle that they have stashed there. It's amazing yes. it still runs 100 years later. Yeah. Uh, he then hits another one of the guys, yes. in theory, to get his portion of the gold. With a really funny, like, sped-up camera effect that yeah. it's difficult to tell what happened. And then drives the truck off a cliff. Yeah. And the reasoning was that he'll be like, oh, we can just tell everybody that this guy had a little bit of an accident. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no one's going to come looking for this guy because he yeah. died 100 years ago. Like, exactly. Why would you be worried about the cops trying to hunt this yeah. guy down but not be worried about your gold You think heist. the value of the car would be more... But it was all just a reason so that they can trek out across the desert yeah, and the get two really sur- thirsty. Yeah, the scientist and the other guy are just walking across the desert and they each have backpacks with gold. That's kind of like where the episode takes another turn where it's just like this, ah, uh, I must have left my canteen behind. This other guy has like the biggest canteen in the world because he's able to like sell drinks of water for gold from the other guy. And the other guy, the scientist, is just getting thirstier and thirstier. And the other guy is clearly doesn't need to drink water ever. <laughs> no. And he's doing, like, my favorite thing in the Twilight Zone where just dribbling and drooling water all over and the front of his shirt's getting all wet. This episode led me to believe that the writing room for the Twilight Zone is just 120 degrees. And everyone's exactly. constantly really thirsty. Yeah. Like the, the building water sucks and so they never yeah. drink it. So everyone's just constantly dying of thirst. And they, they drink water out of those old timey like snow cone paper cones. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like a very unsatisfying size and it dribbles Dribbling. out. It's, oh, every drop. So then eventually the one guy just like the scientist is like F this and like beats the dude to death with a gold bar. Yeah. And then he collapses on the ground. And then the only redeeming thing about this episode arrives. It's a space car. <laughs> All right. Comes over and it, it looks like a regular car, but kind of like a lunar rover. Yeah. But it has, because it's product of the 60s science fiction, two weird f- dome, glass dome things in the front. Yeah. No, L- it, it, instead of like dome. a windshield, it's like the car is wearing glasses. Yeah. That kind of bubble around the drivers. Yes. And the passenger. And yeah. Yeah. It, I think that was kind of like this episode's version of the alien but a much much more boring version of yeah. the Ven- venetians the Venice- venusians yeah uh, yeah i i wasn't a fan of this episode uh the i thought it was kind of cool a nice subtle message like obviously the people from the future in the dumb car they relay the message mm-hmm. like after they watch the guy die yes about like Oh, gee, it's stupid. Why he thought gold was worth something after we learned to manufacture it. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> but I thought it was a cool, slightly more subtle message that the people from the future did not give a crap about watching this guy die. Yeah. Like, they were so cold. It's like, well, I think a cop will come and pick him up eventually. Yeah. But I think I think it was a nice, subtle message about the future and just caring less and less about each other. Mm-hmm. I guess. Seems like there were a lot of messages it. to this one. I it was just like, I think what their original intent was like, and then in the future, gold is has no value. You know, I think that ultimately yeah. is like what they're meant to do. But I, I agree with you that what life is cheap in the future as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I ended up giving this one a five. Yep. Same here. Cool. Glad we agree. Yeah. All right. Next one. The silence. All right. So the silence is, what would you call this? A gentleman's club? What is that? Yeah. Okay. There's a gentleman's club. Not the strip joint. Not the kind. strip joint. And uh, there is a young hotshot who's bragging and talking loudly and a Bob Dole-looking character who's sitting in the corner. And the beginning of the episode is him watching this young loudmouth talking and you can tell it's just driving the old man insane to the point that he makes a bet. The greatest bet of all time, says Rod Serling, that this man cannot stay quiet in a glass chamber in the basement of this gentleman's club (laughs) for one year. 
For one year, he's not allowed to make any sound. And if he does it, he'll get $500,000. And so the young man takes the bet. And then he spends a year in this chamber. And the old man tries to torture him and taunt him in order to make a sound. He does not. He comes out a year later. And the old man admits very sheepishly that he does not really have $500,000. And he expected them to fail. And then he says, speak, why don't you... And then the young man reveals that he didn't think he had the courage or the willpower to last a year. And so he cut and severed his vocal cords. So it ends with both people very sad, (laughs) but one man theoretically a little bit richer. I mean, I'm sure he got everything that the old man was worth. I would hope. I don't know. They never really delved into that aspect of it. No, no. So that's, that's the core of the episode, but, uh, it's 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 a weird one. I like this episode a lot. Yeah, it's it's a definitely a fun one to watch. Like right yeah. at the beginning, you know, it's going to be bold, and then when he makes the bet, it's like, well, no matter what, this is going to mm-hmm. be an entertaining Twilight Zone. Well, how he makes the bet, I think, is hilarious because they're in this big room, and the guy like tells his uh, his attorney, I believe it is, yeah. to to go pass a note to this guy, and they're like. 20 feet away from each other. Yeah. And the guy's in the middle of telling his, the loud mouse in the middle of telling the story. And he's like, ah, this is from sir, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, okay. He insists that you read it immediately. And it's just, just walk over and tell him, you know, <laughs> he just hates him so much. Yeah. That was the best part of the episode is just seeing this old man hate this young guy mm-hmm. so much. Yeah. And then the way that he tortures the guy is just saying like, oh, your wife, she's out there, Tennyson, you know, with another man, I hear she's getting awfully lonely. Why don't you, you know, go do something about it? I'll let you out. I'll give you $5,000. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. And the guy just keeps like staring at him, like tapping at the calendar. Yeah. That mental torture of saying that his wife is whoring around town. That, yeah. That's a great one. I like how the guy commits himself to this year-long endeavor before even consulting his wife. Yeah. He's like, yep, I'll do it. And then he's like, later on mentions like, oh, by the way, the reason I'm doing this is because my wife spends a lot of money and I love her dearly, but we really desperately need money. Exactly. And then in the beginning of the episode, what sets it up and makes it all worthwhile is like when they make the bet, the young guy explains like, hey, I want this check written out ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to make sure I'm going to get my money. Yeah. The old guy's just outraged. Like everyone here knows I'm a man of character. Yep. Good virtue. breeding. He keeps talking about <laughs> How well-bred he is. Eh, strange. I don't know what kind of club this was. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and everybody's like, oh, of course, of course he's worth his money. Don't ever question him. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the episode, yeah, it turns out that he is not worth his money at all. No. And there's the plot line going throughout of the lawyer buddy, like knowing mm-hmm. him the best, knowing that he doesn't have this much money. Yeah. Trying to talk him out of it. Yeah. Uh, number one question for the episode for me was, where is this guy going to the bathroom? Hmm. That I wanted a good question. To, I wanted to see the toilet in his. They dumb didn't have cube. a toilet, huh? There's no toilet that I saw. It was just a lot of him pacing around a very small-looking living room, wearing a lot of turtlenecks and scarves. Because that's the big reveal: is he he pulls it down. You yeah. can see this big scar. It's actually a nice-looking scar. Yeah, yep. And like before he does that, even he writes the note mm-hmm. saying, "Like you know, I severed my vocal cords," and he's yeah. crying as he's writing it. It's yeah. kind of a touching scene. Mm-hmm. Although I found it funny when he finally is let out after a year, the crowd reacts just with like polite golf clap. Yeah. Oh, bravo, son. Well done, <laughs> you mongrel. <laughs> now bark. When he was getting to the ending. Yes. 
clearly there was going to be a twist mm-hmm. or something happening. And they show the clock and it's 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And they're like, his the lawyer friend is talking to the guy who made the bet saying like, you know, you don't have the money. What are you going to do? This is ridiculous. And he's like, oh, it's not quite 10 yet. Yeah. And so I thought his plan was that he set the clocks back a little bit or forward, uh. I should say. And then he was acting and saying that he didn't have the money in the hopes that the guy would scream at him. Oh. And then he would, I thought that was the entire thing. Yeah. So it was actually a genuine surprise when the guy reveals he cut his vocal cords for $500,000. Yeah. I started watching it again because I like this one so much. Uh-huh. And there's something I didn't pick up on the first time is when uh, the guy asks him, you know, how's he doing? The the lawyer's like, well, he hasn't touched food, you know, the first week. He hasn't eaten. Oh. But now he's back up to normal. His appetite's back. Because, because he's, he's got his throat all hollowed out. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. The weird monitoring angle I didn't really understand. It's like, why not just put him in a room? Why do you have to make it a glass cage? And like, he makes it very clear. Like one of the rules is we can come watch you whenever we want. Yeah. Anytime. That's why he doesn't have a bathroom. (laughs) The guy's like just really into some weird stuff. Why not just put him in a room? I don't, it has to be made out of glass. Yeah. So that it can detect the sound just in case he makes some noise. Yeah. But uh, he was also, who sprung for that cage, by the way, if the guy didn't have $500,000. The gentlemen pulled together because they were all sick ah, weirdos. They wanted to watch it. It is a delightful lark. <laughs> also, the guy didn't do anything. They didn't show him really doing anything outside of like playing solitaire mm-hmm. and pacing. Yeah. No shots of him reading or writing or anything. It was just the most boring things. It's like he had to waste two hours instead of a year with yeah. the ways that they showed him. But uh, yeah, I still thought this was a super fun episode. It's just a good old-fashioned twisty Twilight Zone that I didn't see coming. I think when they open the door... Everyone should have just staggered backward from the awful smell. <laughs> that would have been fantastic. That's the end of the episode? Yeah. Is he the, then robs them as they're passed out? It, the the methane gases hit the fireplace <laughs> and you see like a mushroom cloud. The gentleman's club. <laughs> uh, I ended up giving this one an eight. I gave it a nine. This is another. This is a really strong episode for me. What was, like, it? What was the like... other one you gave a nine? The second one? What's that one? Yeah. What was that one? It wasn't oh, Prime ago. Mover. Oh, yeah. Prime Mover you gave it nine. Yeah. This was a couple of really solid episodes. I thought this was a really good block. Yeah. yeah. I mean, long distance call for me was head and shoulders above everything else. But this was this was definitely a number two. Yeah. Uh, what I was going to ask is, is this the same club as back there in the beginning? Oh. It looked very they, familiar. Yeah. If if not physically with the set, which I would agree that is. I wonder, if did they exist in the same universe? Is this just a place where like all kinds of crazy crap goes down? Well, when we combine all the episodes together, yes, we will have to factor that in. Yeah. has to be done. All right, cool. Uh, next episode, there are only four left. That's true. And then the second season. And then we'll have the Franklins again. And then season two Franklins. Yes. Also, what do you think about this idea? Do you think it's worthwhile going back at this point and rewatching some of the best episodes from season one and season two, but the twist is what? we do commentary tracks? So people can sync it up and we just won't have the audio in the recording. It'll just be us talking. We'll say like, start, you know, uh, when the sky was open right now. We'll have to think of some really smart things to say, won't we? Yeah. Cause I think it's going to be a lot of, oh, this is cool. Look over there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that guy's gone now. Where'd he go? All right. Well, that, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. I was thinking it'd be kind of a cool way to celebrate it and something a little yeah. bit different, but oh, well, we'll you see. You never know. 
All right, but tune in next week where we'll cover episodes 26 through 30. Sure. Is that how the math works out? Or 29. Or 29. All right, and we'll finish off uh, season two of The Twilight Zone. So thanks for listening. Twilight, bye bye. Don't torture your friend. <laughs> 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 We're a mess. Hey, listen, is don't torture your friends.